Remember, for it to be a forward pass, it's got to go forward. Kaepernick, end zone, Crabtree, broken up, picked off! This game is over! Well, I'm the best corner in the game! When you try me with a sorry receiver like Crabtree, that's the result you're going to get! Don't you ever talk about me! L-O-B! He wants to get in a fight, you can't do that! Quarterback, you can't fight! You're very welcome along to the uh, week two edition of our Off the Ball NFL podcast. Uh, no Sam with us this week, he's sick, but Kean is with us here. Kean, a very uh, good evening, good afternoon to you. Hey, Joe, how are you doing? Uh, how are you doing, more to the point, uh, given the ridiculous kind of daylight hours that you're keeping? Do you see daylight at all during the season? Well, it's four o'clock now and I've been up for about two hours, so that, that's my schedule for you. It's a bit thrown off. It's, it's basically the opposite of what normal people do. Uh, does that lead to uh, social complications? Um, do you see other human beings from time to time or is it a little football bubble for the next three months? Funnily enough, every time I'm watching the Sunday night games and the Monday night games, the milkman is my sign that the game's about to end because he comes at about four o'clock in the morning. <laughs> uh, all right, also with us this week, uh, Donnie Mahoney. How are you? Hi there, hello. Your, um, your pats are alive and well and reports of the demise of Tom Brady are completely accurate. Yeah. But the team will survive. You had them uh, dead and buried on this podcast last week, Jarrett. I corrected you, and I was proven right. The Patriots did not lose two games in a row. And uh, the rather uh, puny uh, Minnesota Vikings, as as they found out last week. And, yeah, you know, I'm pretty confident going forward here. We've got the Raiders coming into Foxborough this weekend, and I th- I'm pretty confident that we're just going to we're just gonna roll a few games here. Now, what's been surprising is this, this juggernaut up in North New York rising out of the ashes of this failed John Bon Jovi transaction and now can anyone beat the Buffalo Bills well well, well hang on don't uh, don't let's not go off you mentioned the Minnesota Vikings there obviously who were at the center of one of the biggest stories in uh, recent NFL history because everybody was saying last week was the worst week in NFL history um i don't know uh, we maybe maybe now is the right time to talk about Adrian Peterson uh, what it actually means for the Vikings. Listening to, I think it was uh, Barnwell and um, Mays, they were saying that the cap hit, if they get rid of uh, Peterson next season, is something like two and a half million. But if they keep him, they've got to pay him something like 16 million. So it would appear very likely, Kian, that we may have seen the last of Adrian Peterson in the Vikings jersey anyway. Uh, maybe for this season, I very much doubt that they'll get rid of him completely simply because... Well, it, it may sound very cynical and very horrible, but that's the way the NFL is. It's simply because he is one of the best players in the league and he's just too valuable for them to just get rid of. And he hasn't actually been proven guilty of anything yet. He's just gone on to a, an exempt list where he's still getting paid. So even technically, he's not actually suspended yet. So maybe what will happen is he'll get suspended once the court decides and he'll serve out a suspension to end this season and then come back at the, end, at the start of next season like many other players have. And it'll turn into some sort of comeback story where yeah. it's not really what it is, but what it's being painted as. It, it, it's an expensive comeback story, though, for the Vikings, given that uh, they could say $14 million. I, I, it, it's a, I don't know. I listen to those guys and they talk about that as something that's, that's very important. And because they talk about it all the time, I therefore assume that it is important. Is the, the cap space the thing that prevents teams like Minnesota from ever making a charge? Yeah, yeah. Well, you look look. The best example of this is the Raiders, who have been trapped in cap hell for about four years now. I think because the late Al Davis used to just throw money around to average players and overpay 
players because they were fast and stuff like that. He didn't actually really pay a huge amount of attention to who he was evaluating. And you you, you can get trapped in holes like that, but the cap is also going up uh, over the coming years because of new TV deals and new sponsorship deals, although that might be thrown into, into uh, disarray now after the last week or so. But for someone like Peterson, because he's so valuable to that offense, he's probably, I wouldn't say he's worth the money he's paid, but he's close enough to it that they'll probably keep him. The one thing that they might be able to do is to get him to renegotiate a deal and take less money because of all this, oh, which yeah. is something they wouldn't have been able to do before. Oh, yeah, I didn't uh, actually think about it in that mm. kind of Machiavellian way. So the Vikings are actually secretly, oh, okay, you know, this is going to be a bad first this season, but uh, ultimately we'll get you cheaper and maybe get to lock you in. Um, but then he's, he's always talked about wanting to go back to Texas, so... Maybe there is a potential that he ends up with uh, him in Dallas. Yeah, yeah. Well, they, they might take him now. They were um, they were tapping him up during the summer, anyway, according to him. Well, yeah, it's crazy. I don't. Well, Demarco Murray has been having such a good season. Though. <laughs> Maybe he's talked himself out of a job now. I, I don't know. Yeah, uh, Murray has been sensational. Uh, so anyway, let's go on and we'll talk about Murray and, and maybe how that might be giving Tony Romo a little bit of a, a breathing space. Uh, but the Buffalo story is pretty remarkable. The um, the list of 2-0 and o teams is also kind of funny at this point. The, the Texans, the Bengals, the Bills, the Broncos, the Eagles, um, and the Cardinals are all 2-0. and o. I'm not sure that everybody would have, or anybody would have predicted those. No. Buffalo, definitely the most interesting team in that list. And, you, you know, the, the San Diego in there this weekend, you went about 3-0. and Did not see this happening at all. Yeah, Kim, what's the reason for this? Why have, why have Buffalo managed to... Um, win games and win tight games and throw off the fact that there's rows on the, the sideline and all sorts of stuff going on around them? Uh, it's a bit bizarre, really, but the a big part of it is the schedule. And they, I think they, they, they called a great game against the Bears where they caught the Bears off guard. And then the Dolphins in week two, I think the Dolphins were kind of a bit too proud of themselves after a week one win over the Patriots because they were dropping passes all over the place. Their special teams was a disaster in week two. Uh, Landry dropped the, the punt at the end, which sealed the game. But before that, they had a blocked, I think they had a blocked punt at the start of the game and CJ Spiller's long kick return, which is a very easy touchdown to give up on a kick return. And even there, that's, well, that's 21 points in its own. You know, EJ Manuel didn't even have to play well. And everyone knew the Bills were a good team. It's just the quarterback position was always the concern. And the best thing that they've done is take the pressure off Manuel. And they've done it for two weeks. But you're kind of looking at them going, how long can they do this for? It's something that the Chiefs did last year with Alex Smith. And it eventually caught up to them, even though Alex Smith looked very good in the playoffs last year. But it's just, it's, it, they're not, they don't have a huge margin for error. And to this point, they've stayed within that margin. And so they can win games. But it's just, it has to be watched. Is Sammy Watkins the real deal? He, he looks like it after two weeks in the NFL. And obviously, I don't want to overreact completely. But uh, a brilliant second performance from him. No, I think he's a phenomenal player, but I thought he was a phenomenal player in college too, so maybe I'm biased in terms of how I look at him in the NFL. But the one thing about that is they're using him really well. You look at the at the, the little passes they're throwing to him underneath where they just get the ball in his hands, let him work in space, and that's how he scored his touchdown, even though it kind of might have been a fumble uh, against the Dolphins. And that's that's the, the biggest takeaway for them so far is they're using their players to their strengths, which is something that surprisingly doesn't happen that much in the NFL. Yeah, okay. Let's uh, just talk about briefly with some of the... Uh... 0-2 teams. The Jaguars, I think everybody would have predicted. The Chiefs, everybody was saying were a regression team. The Raiders also 0-2. The Giants, not exactly unpredictable. The Bucks, it's hard to know if everybody thought that they were going to be 0-2. But also joining them at 0-2 are the Saints and the Colts. Uh, what the hell's going on with the Saints? Same thing again. They seem to be lost on defense. It's 
it, it, this was finally the year when they were supposed to fix their defense, and it just it's the same problems, missing tackles, blowing assignments. The Browns won that game be, because, largely because at the end there was a, a blown assignment from Keenan Lewis and Corey White, I think it was, in the in the left side of their coverage, where they both went to one defender in the flat, and the other other receiver went down to down on a, pole, a corner route that which goes down and straight to, straight across to the sideline. And they, exactly the same thing happened to them in week one, and they made the same mistake, and they didn't correct it. So you're looking at the coaching on the defensive side, which is a major concern. But the, the one benefit for them is they've started with two uh, road games, and they're normally good for eight wins at home, seven or eight wins at home at least. So you, you can still be optimistic about the Saints. There was a lot of people picking the Saints for the Super Bowl. Yeah. I mean, it surprised, it surprised me, but at, at the same time, I didn't expect them to lose their first two games of the year. I mean, especially I didn't expect them to lose to Cleveland. They were six-point favorites there on the road. Um, this is week two, week three. These are the kind of weeks when you realize that the NFL kind of makes no sense. And if you're just watching, if you're just sort of you know a, a layman watching Red Zone on a Sunday night, picking game from to game is really difficult. And I mean, maybe people at Keen and Sam's level of expertise would would see certain things coming. But I, I mean, I just find some of the results completely bonkers. Yeah, I, this was the week where a lot of things went bonkers. Where uh, as you'll hear later on, our picks. We well, I, I should say, I, I went I went six and ten and felt good about it. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, six out of ten sounds like an absolutely amazing. Oh no, hang on, six right and six ten and wrong. Six right and <laughs> ten wrong. Well, given okay. given this is a week where the Seahawks, the uh, juggernaut, travel. They take a you know a trip down the uh, California coast of San Diego. And they get beaten handily. Um, you've got um, you know Pittsburgh, like. They get hammered on Thursday night to against the Ravens. It's a lot of confusion there. I, you know, even like even you said the Giants are bad, and I accept that the Giants are terrible. Yeah. But you have um, Arizona, who are not like who have no caliber of you know victory winning ability. They go to New Jersey. Drew Stanton playing quarterback. I don't think I think he hadn't played a game started a game since 2010. They managed to beat the Giants by 11 points, really easy. There was just you know. There's just a level uh, at at this time in the year that is just it's a little bit on the mind-boggling side. Maybe in you know in December we'll be able to look back and say, oh, how do we not see how good Cleveland were or you know or Cincinnati or these kind of things? But at the moment, I just you know it's carnage if you're a if you're just a sort of a layman making picks. Yeah, or is it possible as well, Kian, that uh, a lot of the teams are not quite in full sure of their own identity and they haven't quite found the expression of what is going to be the thing that defines their season for them so one week they're trying something the next week they're trying something different week three is when ultimately they go back or they find the right mix of the the two approaches in the first two weeks well I typically take four or five weeks to get an actual idea for what a team is because you can look at a team like the Saints who will make stupid mistakes for the first two weeks on the road and you can write them off completely because of those two losses and because 0-2 and two looks terrible. But when you look at the actual details, a lot of the stuff is correctable. So you, look, you, you give them a few weeks to figure out if they can correct it and then if they can't, you will write them off. If they can, you'll be more optimistic about them again. Um, when, you, when you look at a team like, like the Cardinals, for example, there's a lot of kind of random at this stage where someone like Drew Santon is, is able to keep them on track but a lot of that is the Giants not looking ready and the Giants making mistakes that they shouldn't be making and just not performing the way many expected them to and I think a big thing for it at this stage of the year is they've cut, they've cut down on off-season practices that are allowed 
and they've taken away rules for tackling and stuff like that. So early in the year, a lot of players and, and teams as a whole are still kind of gelling at this stage. And so even though they have four games of preseason, a lot of the starters don't really play much in the preseason, even though there's four games. So I, I still think for the first couple of weeks, there's going to be more, even more randomness and even more crazy stuff that you're not expecting. But the NFL is generally pretty unpredictable as well, like Danny said. The, um, the Bears 49ers game, um, I watched this on a dodgy 3G connection, unfortunately, for my phone bill uh, while I was out of the country thinking that I was on the, the hostel we were staying in wireless and woke up the next morning to a massive bill and realised that I hadn't turned it off. Uh, but when I turned it off, it looked like it was going to be a fairly routine, straightforward victory for the 49ers, only for me to wake up and realise that uh, Brandon Marshall, who wasn't supposed to be playing, much to the annoyance of many fantasy, <laughs> fantasy people around the world, including, including me, yeah. who uh, subbed in Marcus Colson for him. Uh, we'll talk about that later on. Uh, he went crazy and scores three touchdowns and the Bears are maybe closer to the team that everybody thought two weeks ago. Yeah, well, the the thing that stood out for me for that game was not that the Bears were able to score on the 49ers because we, we kind of expected that with the way the 49ers' defense has, uh, has taken a few hits and it's just it didn't really match up well to the Bears anyway. Uh, I think Tremaine Brock was out, the cornerback who would be their number one normally. It was actually on the other side of the ball because once they got that lead, like you said, they didn't just rely on Frank Gore, which is what you would normally expect them to do because Frank Gore was running well. And they, Frank Gore is one of the best backs in the league when you want someone to take 25 or 30 carries just to kill a game off. They decided to put the game on Kaepernick's shoulders and Kaepernick couldn't do that. He was just making too many mistakes. I think he had four total turnovers, which essentially allowed the Bears back into the game. Yeah, a very worrying thing if you're uh, a Kaepernick supporter at this point, given that, say, for example, the previous incumbent in the 49ers quarterback position, that game would have been dead when they got that lead. Yeah, well, you see, the thing with Kaepernick now at this stage is he can make every single throw. But a great example of what, where his limitations are was, the I think it was the first Kyle Fuller interception. It might have been the second, I'm not sure, but it's the one where Kaepernick was running to his left and he throws the ball down the sideline. And he can't see Fuller because Fuller's behind the defender. Most quarterbacks would expect a defender to be there simply because they would understand how the coverage works. And Kaepernick just never saw him because he was behind his own receiver. So he threw the ball essentially straight to him. And it's that kind of thing that's still with Kaepernick that you're kind of going, this is what's stopping you from being one of the best in the league, even though you have all the physical talent. And now, now that the 49ers around him are suffering more more hits on both sides of the ball because the, the offensive length isn't where it needs to be. Those uh, flaws are being highlighted more. Is it is it possible too that there was a crazy emotion around the home game, first one at Levi Stadium? Certainly the commentators were boring the pants off everybody. Oh, there's the first sack. There's the historic blimp flying over. There's the historic 100th hot dog, which was killing the, any sense. And of, you're saying that they were spent on all of these monumental uh, moments? Yeah. They couldn't, they, they just wore them down eventually? Yeah, it's the stupidest question I've ever asked perhaps. Well, <laughs> I don't know. I, I I wouldn't think so, but you, I mean, yeah. anything could anything goes in the NFL. The Bears decent, uh, a bit more faith in the Bears after this. Yeah, well, I, I obviously had faith in them before the season, so I'm still having to wait and see approach with them. But even Alshon Jeffrey wasn't healthy. You could see he wasn't moving properly, so they can still get better. Let's talk about the Eagles and Colts before we kind of look forward to um, the game this weekend. Uh, the Colts D, everybody preseason has been saying they're no good, and the Eagles score thirty points on them and uh, win thirty twenty seven. Um, how real is this Eagles team and the momentum behind them? Because again, pre tournament preseason, a lot of hype about them. 
important for the Eagles to note that they've played the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Indianapolis Colts defenses, which are both probably going to be amongst the worst in the league. And important to also note that Nick Foles hasn't played well at all to this to this point. In the Colts game, most of his big players came when he checked the ball down to running backs. Michael McCoy and uh, Darren Sproles both had huge games. And a large chunk of his offense came after the catch. So he wasn't throwing the ball down the field a huge amount. When he did throw the ball down the field, he threw it behind Macklin for that horrible interception. And this is the problem with the Eagles, that they've got everything set up. Actually, it's kind of similar to the Bills, except they're doing it in a very different way. They've got everything set up to be one of the better teams in the NFC, but you're still looking at the quarterback and you're going, can I really trust him when you're facing a tough defense, when you have a pass rush coming in his face, when you have good coverage on the field? Colts didn't have a pass rush or good coverage, so it it was too easy for him, you know? And you you kind of expected the Colts to win that game until that Andrew Luck interception, which appeared to come from... uh, a defensive pass interference that wasn't called on T.Y. Hilton, name I can't say, was pulled down going across the middle of the field. So I, I'm very sceptical about the Eagles, and I'll probably remain that way for maybe seven or eight weeks until Nick Foles shows me something that he hasn't shown me to this point in his career. Andrew Luck facing a, a no and 2 start to the season, um, and maybe he just doesn't have the weapons. I don't know. It's going to be an interesting season for him. Yeah, I'm not sold on the Colts. Just before we leave week two, and maybe this kind of ties in with Andrew Luck, who has a bit of a, um, you know, there's a bit of facial hair going on there. Last week we mentioned the uh, Tom Brady shaving of his beard and how that was going to swing a yeah, it, a momentum shift there in New England, and it clearly did after the 30-7 to win there. <laughs> now, I, going on the other side of the coin, I just want to draw some attention to the Ryan Fitzpatrick beard in Houston, which is <laughs> the greatest beard in the history of all NFL quarterbacks, and um, is at this voluminous stage at this point and it seems to be just driving Houston uh forward this year and you know they have staked their claim as the 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 bad good team or the good bad team however you want to describe it at 2 and 0 and um I believe 3 and 0 is in their sights this week and as long as that beard let let it flow is what I say Houston are a potential playoff team really aren't they I mean the Titans the Colts and the Jags in the AFC South you can see them winning the division we're getting close to it. It's really hard to say that about a team at Ryan Fitzpatrick. Isn't it? <laughs> but the fact that the Colts have started 0-2 will give them a chance, but I still think the Colts will win it very comfortably. And that and that's not even because I think the Colts are a good team. I think the Colts are a pretty awful team. It's just that the quarterback they have is so much better than anyone else in the division. Yeah, okay. Well, uh, we'll, we'll move on to this weekend because it's a pretty obvious standout fixture. It's the Broncos-Seahawks. And... Uh, I don't know. Does does the does something always happen the following season when the Super Bowl teams meet again, or should we ignore the fact that they met? What like because it was an, it was such an annihilation. It was complete and outright destruction. Um, there was not a game at all. So now we have that was that was early February. We've got um, seven months between it. We've got Seattle losing to San Diego. We've got Denver, who've been okay, not incredible. Yeah. We have this game now, not in New Jersey, but in Seattle. It would seem all the signs are pointing towards an even greater annihilation of by Seattle of Denver, but just because that seems logical. Yeah. The NFL logic must tell you that the complete opposite will happen <laughs> so, and that Denver will win easily. Uh, yeah. That would definitely be uh, something very strange and weird. Um, the San Diego game informs how much of our thinking ahead of the game against the Broncos from a Seahawks perspective, Keen. 
Uh, no, I actually wrote about this on Football Outsiders today. That game was largely about Philip Rivers playing one of the best games a quarterback could ever possibly play. And he was doing things that I'm not sure Peyton Manning is capable of doing anymore because he was relying on his physical ability to shrug off pass rushers. To, um, to There was one play, the, I think it's the second touchdown to Antonio Gates, where uh, Michael Bennett gets around the corner and punches the ball in Rivers' hand. And Rivers, Rivers just puts a second hand on it, pulls it back, it falls forward, and then gets grabbed by another defender and brushes him off before breaking outside and throwing the ball with two defenders hitting him to the corner. And he throws a perfect pass. And while Manning is great, and Manning is probably the best quarterback in the NFL at the moment, that's not the kind of play he can make anymore because he's simply, because he's old. And it happens to everyone, obviously. He's an old man. Yeah. And it's the kind of play you need to make against Seattle, especially in Seattle, because everything tightens up in Seattle with the crowd, with the home crowd, with the, just with the speed of the game and all. Like that's, that's why this game isn't the primetime game. It's because the NFL is terrified of Seahawks in primetime at home at night because they just have an unbelievable record there where they're blowing out teams and uh, TV networks don't want to show those games because the Seahawks are the only fan base that enjoys those games. Um, I, I'm not sure the Broncos are better, but the worst thing that could have happened to the Broncos was the Seahawks losing in San Diego because you know that defense is going to have something to prove now again. How how improved are the Broncos from the team that lost the Super Bowl, or how disimproved are they? I'm not sure they're improved. I think Moshe Moreno is a big loss because Monty Ball hasn't looked good. I like Emmanuel Sanders outside. I think he, he could possibly be better than Decker, but it's the defensive side where it's the biggest issue. They've, they've looked good so far on the defensive side, and uh, the biggest concern for the Seahawks going against that defense is the combination of Von Miller and DeMarcus Ware because as, we, as you would have seen last week if you watched the Chargers game, the Seahawks' offensive line was exposed and Wilson, Wilson played well on the most part, but he had a couple of plays early where he held the ball too long and he had big sacks. And that, that kind of really set the offensive back in a game where they didn't have the ball much. I think the Chargers had it for over 40 minutes of the game. So you, that's the kind of area where the Broncos are going to look to win this game is on the defensive side, which is very interesting because normally with a Peyton Manning team, it's all focuses on the offense. Yeah. Um, I, I see J.J. Watt caught a touchdown pass as a tight end at the weekend. Uh, Bill O'Brien, this uh, offensive genius as well as defensive genius, uh, looking for a win against the Giants this weekend. Um, it's going to be interesting to watch the Texans. Uh, obviously, we're still waiting to see what Clowney and Watt can do together. But um, taking Ryan Fitzpatrick out of this, this is one of those close games where they get to beat up on somebody, Eli, and uh, the rest of the world gets to sit and watch, hopefully, and enjoy. Yeah, it's been rough for the for the Giants because last week, the Giants' problem is their offensive line. Well, it's one of their problems, but it's their biggest problem is their offensive line. And it's rough because last week they faced the Cardinals, who have one of the best defensive linemen in the NFL, Calais Campbell, who is like Watt. He's huge and he's a great athlete. And Campbell just, he ruined everything for them last week. He was constantly a problem. And against Watt, they're going to have the same problem. And they, they just don't have enough talent around the field to kind of overcome that. But they're getting to the point where desperation is probably going to affect their performance. They can't fall to zero on three. If they fall to zero on three, even in a bad division, they're going to be very, very unlikely to make the playoffs. So I think this does actually happen in the NFL, I believe, even though it sounds kind of silly, where one team simply is just much more desperate than the other, and the other team believes their own hype. And you look at a team like the Texans, who are 2-0, and and no one really expects them to be 2-0, and even though they have a soft schedule. So they might be kind of taking, getting a bit complacent, even though they've started 2-0 and the last two seasons. So I, I, I kind of, the Giants should have hope there, even if you can't really explain it in, in terms of the players matching up on the field. Is it possible that J.J. Watt is uh, this year's William Refrigerator Perry and uh, scoring touchdowns and something magical is going on here? Um, it would be nice to th- it would be nice to think that I'd like to see the the defenders play an offense and all that kind of thing. Um, just with the Giants though, it's I mean 
the Giants would be a sort of like this. They would see themselves as like a legacy franchise, you know, and they do things that are, you know the old school kind of way, owned by the same family for I think most of their existence. And it was clear last year that um, Coughlin was done and that they should have just kind of cut their losses. But because he's been there and because he won the two Super Bowls. They kept him on, and they fair enough. Though you can't, you gotta. He has to be the one to to go. Oh, look, you know, I think this is past me now. Surely, yeah. But if you're going to be the, it's a ruthless business. And at some stage, you got to say, look, you're, look, Tom, you're you're an old man. You're the game is maybe passing you by a bit here. Let take a job. We'll we'll look after you. We'll take you upstairs. But you gotta, we, we got to change things in this place. Instead, they got rid of Gilbride, who was the offensive coordinator, brought in a new guy, and it just seems like there's a whole. They've accepted now basically another lost year. And all the guys who you know stayed on are all going to be gone next year. I say Reese, the general manager, will be gone as well. And so it's just a lot. It's a complete lost season. Manning will have to go too. So you know it's just frustrating just to see as a thing in American sports. You know, sort of like the Kobe Bryant contract that you just give these. You know, you keep guys on because of their past success in it in the moment, which is where we all live. You cannot. You know, we two thousand. If you're a Giants fan, two thousand and eleven or eight, those are great years. But you don't live in those seasons you have to live in the now yeah and those games are gone and now you're stuck with Eli Manning throwing interceptions and getting sacked by J.J. Watt which is what all Giants fans have to look forward to this weekend the uh, Chargers-Bills obviously is a game very much of the moment as well particularly after what the Chargers did last week and uh, we've already talked about how well the Bills have gone this is a, a look all the tests all the games are, are proper tests for a team like Buffalo trying to again find and assert an identity but um, uh, how you do against the Chargers is uh, is going to be a, a very good marker all season long, I think, Ian. Yeah, this is a game that's going to kind of tell you the value of the quarterback in the NFL because the Chargers haven't got a great roster, but they've got a great quarterback. And the Bills have not, not maybe not a great roster, but a very, very good roster, and they don't seem to have the quarterback. So it's going to be who wins out between the two. The fact that it's in Buffalo and the fact that the Chargers are coming off a huge win at home, that might play into the Bills' hands, but I think this might be the Bills' first loss of the season and it's kind of it's inevitable at this stage. It, fe- it feels a bit inevitable at this stage. We didn't talk about the uh, the Steelers and their incredibly anemic performance uh, at on Thursday Night Football against the Ravens where, again, they, were just, they just didn't show up for the second half whatsoever. Now this week uh, they're up against Carolina and uh, Carolina are eating teams. Their, their D is amazing and they've got Cam back and he was, uh, he was poised and in the pocket last week. Did you omit them from your list of 2-0 teams? Uh, the Panthers, did I? It doesn't matter because the Panthers are a solid team that are going to beat bad teams like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and, the, um, and probably the Pittsburgh Steelers this weekend as we'll hear in the mixed picks column or section coming at you but the um like it's uh, people turned on I, I think people turned on Carolina just because the um because Steve Smith left them they, their receiving core seemed kind of weak but when you re- when you look at it um you can win eight or nine games in the NFL maybe 10 and uh just on the back of of what a solid defense and, and uh, a reliable guy like Cam Newton could do plus they've got a stud rookie wide receiver yeah, no, he's. I mean, Benjamin was brilliant. He didn't have a great game um, last week, but the you know the now he steps in. He missed Steve Smith for his charisma and stuff, but uh, I think Benjamin is is an upgrade. What do you think of the uh, the Panthers this season, Keen? Well, one of the things that's going to come out from all the uh, recent scandals is that they're going to lose Greg Hardy probably for the season because Hardy was found guilty of domestic violence. Uh, I think it's about a month or two ago, and he's actually in the process of appealing it. So he was playing last or in week one. They sat him down in week two, and it looks like he's going to be gone for the year now as well. And Hardy is a defensive end on a defensive line that carries that defense. 
They have Luke Cookley and four defensive line, uh, very good defensive linemen when Ardy is available. And then behind behind that, they have very questionable pieces in the secondary and also at linebacker. Thomas Davis is also there. But overall, they can't really afford to lose pieces. So how they react to losing someone like Hardy and how they react to playing with uh, wide receivers who are new may not be worse than what they had last year, but new would still take some time to bet in those kind of players, especially when Newton has missed so much time before the start of the season. They're, I think I agree with Donny. They're going to be the kind of team that will... Uh, easily and comfortably beat bad teams, bad teams such as the Steelers. But I'm not sure how they'll go. How if if they make the playoffs, let's say, I'm not sure that they'll actually be a threat to anyone. In fairness, preseason you did say that the Steelers were their D was awful, and uh, it was totally proved right last week. Um, Smith's performance for the Ravens probably exactly the thing that Donnie pointed out. The the Panthers for whatever reason couldn't get that out of him last year. Yeah, well, the, the thing with Steve Smith is he was always a great all-around receiver. But the one thing that he had that kind of stood out more than anything was he could get down the field and make big plays on the field. And that kind of went away last year. And that was something that he and Newton had done very well together when, uh, when Newton was a rookie. And when you, when you lose that and you, you, you have the, I think his cost was something like 10 million against the cap. And the Panthers, like we were talking about earlier, the Panthers yeah. are a team that don't have much cap space. So they kind of had to decide on the very old veteran who was de- who appeared to be declining, who I still think has declined somewhat, but is still, a quali- is still a quality enough player for the Ravens to have on a cheaper deal. So I think the Panthers probably made the right decision there, even though they probably get killed for because Smith has played well recently and because he probably will continue to play well for the Ravens. But when you when you look at him in the context of how much he was being paid in a different offense, I, I think they made a, a smart decision to move on from him. All right, Keen, great stuff. Thanks very much for that. We'll talk to you again next week. Cheers. Cheers, man. Thanks. All right, you're very welcome along to uh, part two of this. Uh, this is the bit where we talk some fantasy nonsense and also, uh, it turns out, make nonsensical picks because mixed picks, as we're calling it, last week, we had nine opportunities to get I'd things like right. i take my name off that. Kean, uh, Kean went six and ten. We went one and eight. Yeah. We might have to rename it Mix Losing Picks. <laughs> he or went six and ten against the spread. Uh, he just went six and ten in picks, I think. Yeah, well, you see, that's a big difference. I don't know. We didn't specify. Well, we're going against the spread here. It's a lot harder. It's a lot <laughs> harder for us. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he could have. He could have usually been against the spread. So um, I had some logic to uh, go against the um, or go for the AFC South. Of course, all three of them well beaten. Donny's Donny went. The only winner was an AFC South team, though. It that's was, right. Houston. Um, my Houston came through for me. My boys, they they hammered Oakland. Um, your uh, <laughs> my Jacksonville pick. Jacksonville pick. Yeah, Jacksonville plus six against Washington. And RG three goes out, and you're probably thinking, "Well, this is a uh, things are maybe going my I, way." I had here, seen a couple of um, I had seen a couple of drives in that play, and I didn't think that Jacksonville were going to do it. They were oh, forty one ten. The only thing is, I was screwed a little bit by refs as usual. <laughs> and Monday night's game, um, it was. Indianapolis minus three. They were up a touchdown in the fourth quarter. Oh yeah, and there they was a, were. We, um, we just talked about the T. Y. Hilton. Yeah, so that that bad call, and then a bad call that I can't quite remember the details of now. Up the other way as well. In fairness, um, he has independent corroborating evidence mm-hmm. this time from uh, Keen, who obviously we trust. Hey, why didn't he? As opposed to make complaining about referees, which we don't trust. <laughs> um, speaking of being screwed, though, uh, just to segue here a bit into fantasy, Jared, how do you feel being screwed by the entire um, uh, NFL? Uh, media core who uh, with their nonsensical oh, it's 75% certain 
that these two players won't be playing. Says Adam Shafter in his uh, reporter voice from Sesame Street. Uh, that's right, Adam. Seventy-five percent. Which, in you know, uh, uh, sources say seventy-five percent chance that these two players will not play this week. So I drop Marshall and stick in Marcus Colson. Get a big fat duck egg, breaking an eighty-odd game passing streak for Colson. And uh, that yeah. didn't work out for me. Yeah. I was actually playing Donny in that league as well. So it was I worse. had Marcus Colson last year. He's no fun to have as a fancy receiver. He was brilliant the first week. Yeah. He's like, and he's a, just a bench player for me. Like, ah, mm. oh, this is grand. He got 10 points last week. He'll get 10 points this week. Brandon Marshall's going to get zero. I'm being smart. And then Marshall puts in Hobbles the best around for career. touchdowns. You should uh, mail a check for your data roaming to Colson. Well, yeah, I might do, actually. <laughs> he can definitely afford it. Yeah, you were definitely uh, paying attention out of the country. Um, I got a text off you when I uh, kicked your ass on Sunday night. Yeah, well, you flukily kicked my ass. I, 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 not, Sean Moreno it, zero points. Well, I, I, I had a zero points. That was my fault, though. Yeah, <laughs> Moreno, chance. Moreno would have been enough on his own, I think, to do. I, we were level, and you just needed your kicker. to I score. I need my kicker to score, and he got what's his Co- name again? Cody Parkey. Oh yeah, he, uh, he kicked well for Philadelphia. Won the game. Our boy from Tampa though had a bit of a nightmare. He mm. his first ever field goal attempt in the NFL was. Locked. 23-yarder. Oh. Yeah, he didn't get it off the ground, basically. Does he get the blame for that, or does yeah, the... It's his fault, yeah. Was it, yeah, the, the O-line doesn't get there? Well, I don't know if it was his the fault. The tight ends he, didn't he, do their job? He, it was not a good first if, NFL. If Austin Safarian Jenkins was fit, he would have blocked that guy, because he's yeah. a beast, and that would have been okay for our boy Pat Murray. Well, our boy Pat Murray was heading down towards a dramatic uh, winning field goal for Pat Murray, but um, there's a weird injury with Mike... Uh, what's his face? Mike Evans? Mike Evans. Yeah, was... And they didn't even get the kick off, so I don't know. Hopefully. That's a rule you have to change, don't you? So Mike Evans catches the ball, is hurt. There's They're running down to spike the ball so they can get the field goal to win the game. There's eight seconds to go. He's trying his best to get up to run off the field or get to the line or whatever, just in time for them to spike it. Yeah. He is couldn't be clearer how much he's trying. There's no reason for him to be faking it. They blow the whistle for the injury by rule, 10-second runoff, the game is over. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, after an amazing dope. catch. It's one of the stupidest things I've ever seen. Ugh. Like, you have to take these things into account when you're making these rules. It oh, yeah. Who'd be a gambler, though, if you were... Uh, I know, yeah. If you had the books. Or who'd be Pat Murray? You had a chance to redeem himself. That blocked kick would have been forgotten about forever. In fairness to Pat Murray, he's four for four from extra points this year. So. <laughs> <laughs> he's uh, he's also very highly ranked this week on by the various uh, fantasy rankers. So, anyway, let's get back to mixed picks, because we were one from nine last week. Uh, well, more importantly, Donny is... Leading by one. Let's not yep. worry about what the the L column is. Zero 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 one. <laughs> if we had to do the Gatorade bath today, you would both have to share it. <laughs> Did we tell everybody that's what we're doing? There's yeah. going to be you. Half right. a bath each. Uh, okay, so my picks are the San Francisco 49ers at the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, as people might be aware, I'm a San Francisco fan, but I'm going to start picking against them in some kind of way, sparking them into life here. You're off the bandwagon already. Cardinals plus three. Yeah. Uh, that's what I'm going for. Once again, I agree with your bet, but I haven't gone for it myself. Seattle against the Broncos. Okay. I'm all over this one. Yep. Seattle minus five. Back in the home team. Seattle are going to win this by about 25 points. Super Bowl that won't be the last time that's picked on this uh, mixed picks version. <laughs> Seattle are, uh, that's my prediction is that Seattle are going to kill them just to go, yeah, we did it once, we did it again. The fact that they lost last week, I think, pretty much nails it down that Seattle are going to win. I was going to go Vikings plus 10.5 with the Saints, but mm. the Saints are 0-2 and the Vikings are not very good. Yeah, and the Saints' first home game of the year. Yeah, and uh, Keane just made the case that they're very good at home. They pretty much ain't no guaranteed. So I'm not going that. I'm going Green Bay plus 2.5 at yeah, Detroit. Interesting. 
Yeah. I wouldn't like to call that game or bet on it. Yeah, stay away well, from I would, I would like to bet on the total match points. Uh, uh, <laughs> Being pretty high. Yeah, 53 is uh, the over. Rogers, I was watching for Randall Cobb reasons, fancy reasons, um, an awful lot of that game on Sunday. And he had a slow start. And it was one of those that suddenly, before you kind of even realised what was happening, he was just killing the Jets and had like, you know, the 400 yards and he, yeah. three touchdowns. Or He had a monster game in the end. Like Jordy Nelson had like a record game, mm. had one, you know, 80-yard touchdown. First season I played Fantasy I own Jordy Nelson was like, this guy's crap, why did everybody tell me to get what's this about? He's, really, he's never had. He's really not. It turns played, out he's bionic. He should have played Fantasy the year before. When he was the best receiver in the, in the game. Yeah, because otherwise I would have like always gone from... I had, yeah. Anyway. So Green Bay plus 2.5. At Detroit. Seattle minus 5 and, against the Broncos. And, and Cardinals plus 3 against the 49ers. All right. The over-under on that, by the way, 53 points. Definitely worth a bet. Um, for mine, I'm going with... You, remember my, you might remember last week I put my faith in uh, the Houston Texans, the 2-0 Houston Texans, and they delivered for me. Yeah. The only team to deliver for any of us, so... It would be remiss of me to uh, to betray them and turn my back on them. Did we make enough of a big deal about JJ Watt scoring a touchdown? Did we? Did we make a big enough big deal? About if you grew up as a Patriots fan, Jerry, you're kind of used to that, you know. Mike, the, Mike Vrabel. Mike Vrabel mean anything to you? No. Well, well there you go. DJ Raji, for the if you're a Packers. The fan. fridge. I, I remember the fridge. <laughs> um, well, Houston, they're going to bring the JJ Watt touchdown experience to Giant Stadium this week. Uh, I wrongly thought the Giants were going to get their act together last week, and now I'm convinced. That the wheels are going to come off. There is uh, no act to get together there. No, I, I think, think they're, that team is in trouble. So I'm, I think Houston is going to win easily here. I have a Dale Beckham on my uh, dynasty bench. Hasn't got a game yet. He's uh, All the word is, oh, he's going to be the Giants' number three receiver when he comes back. That's bull. He's going to be the Giants' number one receiver, and they're going to throw, they're going to feck him the ball. I put in a uh, waiver request for Ruben Randall this week because I'm a pretty desperate receiver, but I was delighted when somebody got him before me. <laughs> yeah, I, I have Cruz uh, in the league and it's just a curse like because you just know. They were, like, they were so bad this week. Everything was working against Arizona, including their quarterback getting injured just before know, the game. Who knows? It's a good thing or bad No, thing. it isn't a good thing. Like it's, you know, if, if it was some up-and-coming well, rookie that they were starting. He did all right. He did okay. He won the game. Giants are terrible. Giants are bad, and they uh, still. Sh- and by the way, they still should have won that game. That whole Carson Palmer's back thing that that lasted one week. He only played <laughs> one week. Yeah, and it's over. <laughs> well, if he comes back, he, he's got a dodgy he, nerve in well, his shoulder. Yeah, that could, he's be, that could be a long term thing. He, he couldn't play catch apparently. Oh, he can't throw the ball. Yeah, and, which is important for a quarterback. Yeah, <laughs> remember for it to be a forward pass, it's got to go forward. As this thing says. Sorry. Very important. It's on our sting. Watching the game, the CBS have a new guy to to rival Fox's um, Mike Pereira, the rules okay. guy who comes in and says, "Yeah, the referees are right 100 percent of the time." Anyway, he made the he made the call that for it to be a forward pass, the pass has got to go very clearly forward. But by the way, the pass didn't go forward. Okay. Refs called it a fumble, or no, refs sorry, refs called it an incomplete pass, and we're completely wrong. But somebody said it. He made the point. Yeah. yeah. Well, see, it's legitimate to make it in, in those circumstances. But was that not Phil Sims making it in ours? It, it was, of course. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He was. Maybe he felt he had to do, play the role of the referee in that situation, as they didn't used to have. Yeah. The guy. Yeah. Forty thousand Broncos fans have signed a petition trying to get Phil Sims removed from uh, calling oh, their games. That's harsh. If, if if you are on Twitter and if you watch NFL, follow S- S- Phil Sims quotes because it is. It's just. 
a phenomenal. They don't make any jokes whatsoever. They just write down verbatim what he, what he says in a game, and it is a hundred percent of the time funny. I don't, I don't get the anti Phil Sims thing. I just think he just he's just a guy watching the game saying <laughs> saying things that we would all say. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, we don't have uh, Super Bowl rings though. Well, that makes him even better then. Donny, oh, Houston minus two. So going Houston minus two in in Jersey. Um, I think Miami are going to get their act together uh, this week. They're they're bringing Kansas City to town. Kansas City might be due a win here, but I like Miami at home. Minus four. Minus four. I think they can. I think Tannehill do that. Do the job there. They'll go to two and one. Um, and finally, under the um, under the lights, I like Carolina going to three and zero. Oh, minus three and a half home favorites against Pittsburgh, who I think if you take away their first half against um, Cleveland. They are a really bad team, like Giants level bad. So, all in all, mixed picks. I think I'm going to maybe two and six after after next week with Houston, Miami, and Carolina. Low expectations. So you think you're going to get one of those three? I oh, get one. It will be doing. We'll be doing well. Yeah. Yeah. In the line of the line, ahead of the mean. <laughs> the one-eyed man is well, king. Most of the games that I've picked have been mentioned already. In fact, I think maybe all. Yeah. So I've got two of Donnie's picks and one of Jers. I'm going for Carolina. On the Sunday night game, minus 3.5 against Pittsburgh. I'm going Seattle, minus 5 against Denver. And I'm going Houston, minus 2 at the New York football Carolina, minus 3.5 is printing money, right? Seems that mm. way. Like, the Steelers are abysmal. Or Steelers are shit as my first ever Snapchat from a, a, a <laughs> non-family member came. You have you Snapchat? I do, yeah. That's interesting. Right, yeah, every, also, my Just, two-year-old daughter was like, what's this? Pressing buttons and suddenly my own face appears. I'm like, oh, what's this? What's this? I don't want to see this. What? Is this you just trying to still be young? No. Like playing fancy football, having Snapchat? Oh, NFL, playing fantasy NFL is not a young man's game. <laughs> okay, yeah, it's that's fair, actually. <laughs> this is, this is the most middle-aged it. thing you can possibly do. Yeah. So the Steelers are, I think, pretty bad. I watched all of the Thursday night game on Friday morning and Baltimore killed them. Yeah. And I don't think Baltimore are any good. Like, because I was looking at Baltimore. Oh, I watched two hours ago against when we got the Browns here, minus well. two, which is idiotic. And, yeah. Uh, now Antonio Brown went out, came, came back. back in, uh, didn't kick Le- someone in the Le- face this time. Levy and Bell's looking really good. He's looking great. Like he, he looks like the the best running back they've had in years. But like, still, still think that they're no O line. Ben abysmal. is. Wobbling around the I place, probably well, with six broken legs. Is it wrong to just say that watching Thursday night game is a mistake? Do you ever watch it and feel good about yourself ever? No. I mean, maybe if you get up the next morning. Watching watch our, well, you see yeah. Game Pass. It's the answer oh, yeah. to all problems. Okay, that's watch on Friday morning. But I'm telling if you, for the non-Game Pass people out there, anytime I've tried to do it, just feel like it's three in the morning, it's been a crap game, it's halftime, I'm just watching ads, just wondering what happened to my yeah. life. Yeah. You can't not fall asleep at halftime in any of the late games. And that's what everybody who's just listened to this podcast is thinking, yeah. what's happened to my life? <laughs> yeah. On that note, Donnie Mahoney. Did you ever listen to this podcast and not regret it? Mick, thanks very much. You can tweet us at Off The Ball and uh, you can also stay in touch by listening to the radio show as well on News Talk uh, if you haven't already. Thanks very much. Thanks.